the Ghost Goal Podcast. Michael Carrick ends his three games in charge at Manchester United with two wins and a draw against Villarreal, Chelsea and Arsenal. He'll step down as Ralph Ranić steps in for their away trip to Crystal Palace this weekend. We've got plenty of other very exciting games going on this weekend, including uh, a very enticing top four clash between West Ham and Chelsea to start things out. But we got to start the pod off with a little recap with earlier today's 3-2 win for Manchester United as Cristiano Ronaldo broke the 800 career competitive goals mark and then add another one just for good measure to get to 801. I'm Alex here with Javier. Javier, uh, I believe the words who's scoring three against us except for Liverpool came out of your mouth the other day. Uh, Care to comment? Yeah, and I was also talking shit about Cristiano Ronaldo, saying Bruno hadn't been as good. Bruno Fernandes And then they both just like shoved their giant you know what's down my the, the you what? know what and i don't have to explain anything else but let's just say oh, i'm very sore oh, oh, got some explaining. i'm very sore in a few areas right now <laughs> and uh there may be my pride or my my heart um but no i mean it was a great match it was a great match it could have really gone either way um it was a team it was a match between two teams that when you've seen Liverpool or Chelsea or City blow away teams, you, like you've seen incredible quality. Even when they've lost games, you've seen incredible quality. In this game, there were periods where Arsenal or United had good quality, but for a sustained game, neither one of neither team is anywhere close to the other the other three teams that are you know competing for the title right now. This is definitely a, like a battle between two teams that are going to be fighting for that fourth spot. And I have a lot to be happy with for Arsenal here because we went to Old Trafford, went down 2-1, you know, when they were coming back, immediately equalized and then had, had a period where we could have easily won the game, um, but then gave up a penalty and it kind of just threw it away at the end. But like you said to me before the pod, that happens with a young team and you know, you take that in stride, you learn from this. And we didn't lose that much ground. I mean, we did lose ground in the sense that United gained ground on us, but West Ham only drew. You know, Tottenham did get a win too. So, uh, not great. Not great. A draw would have been a lot more. But it's not the end of the world. It's not either. the other world either. Exactly. It, it's still early in the it, season. It's not, a, it's not a great sign that you guys don't have. You don't yet have a win against like one of the the teams that finished top four in the league last season. It's, you know, four played, four losses. Well, two we of play those, West I can Ham understand soon, if you just so, want to throw those out. Yeah, exactly. I just want to throw but, the two of those out. So, I mean, yeah, you're right. But at least this one was was close and could have gone either way. So, I think if we'd gone a draw here, it wouldn't have been. You know, that, I'm not looking at this as like the end of the world because we did start the season with three losses since then we've been one of the best teams in the league out the the league even outside of the, those those teams that you're talking about that finish in the top four is still very very good so to get a lot of wins outside of that is still very difficult you know like you said like any team right now in the premier league can beat any other team and burnley's getting draws against chelsea so brentford's getting draws against liverpool you know uh Palace is beating Manchester City. You never know what's going to happen in the Premier League. And as long as we can still stay consistent against those teams and not 
and like it seems like we've had we're, we're at a level where we can we can we're starting to beat that, them consistently like beating Newcastle 2-0 pretty easily you know beating Watford all, all those other teams beating Leicester if we can keep doing that then you know I think we'll still always be in it for top 4 so not 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 worried yet um I just learned that Aubameyang should not be starting for us at all Martinelli, Martinelli, yeah, Martinelli to, was trying to tell you this for weeks. You have, but Martinelli was excellent. I thought he was our best player. So energetic, pressed Manchester United everywhere. He, I mean, he obviously was trying to take take his opportunity. Um, and Tomiyasu was great for the most part. He locked down Jaden Sancho. You know, Jaden Sancho had very very little influence on the game. It was on the other wing that they had more joy. Where Nuno Tavares was leaving big gaps of space for for Rashford to run into and. You know, it created problems for us. Uh, they had overloads on the right wing with with Dalit and with I think starting Dalit was a I don't know if I don't know if Wambasak was on the bench or if that was forced, but you know he's he's a little bit more attacking than Wambasak, and it really uh, forced Tavares to make bad decisions. And he's a he's an inexperienced, athletic left back, but in possession he he makes a lot of foolish mistakes, and and they they capitalized on it. That Rashford played that ball in uh, for Ronaldo. And that ball should have been cut out beforehand. You know, it was just all too easy for for United and on a, on a both on both of their goals, as well as the penalty. I mean, all of it was just it was it was it was a nice move in that it was a couple of nice passes and then a finish, but very very simple moves that should have just been cut out. You know, it, it's not like they were super intricate or you know back heels or nice dribbles or anything. It was it was just very very basic. Yeah. Uh, just. Route one football almost, not route one in, like in that they were booting it up the field, but you know what I mean. Just you know, direct, yeah. direct, and something that we we so far this season have been good at defending. Just you know, Th- Thomas had, didn't have a great game, especially that first half. He uh, he had a lot of sloppy passes, gave away the ball a lot, and I think gave Manchester United too much room in that midfield. And Fred, while he was at fault for the De Gea incident. Also, at time, you know, got ended up having two assists, blocked multiple shots that one off the line, another one that like was was on target, and was everywhere defensively. So where where Fred, you know, does take away, he also gives a lot too. So, um, and then and then Cristiano Ronaldo, I have to I have to give it. it to Ronaldo. This is the first time, and I don't know. If it's because Ole's gone now and maybe he just didn't want Ole there, I don't know. But this is the first time that I saw Ronaldo like constantly throughout the whole game sprinting. Maybe Ralph Agnick and him had a conversation. Maybe he said, like, show me you can still sprint a whole game 90 minutes. And he did it for the most part in this game. He was he was pressing much more than he has in, in the past. And I said on the last spot, I said, Sancho, Bruno, and Rashford all can press, but they need that, that like fourth player who can press with them. And he did in this game, and and it showed like with United had more possession, more control in this game than they have they've had in the past eight or nine games. See, so see, I want to I want to cut you off quickly there because the word control that that's kind of like the one word that I left this game thinking of because it, to me it didn't seem like either team really had control. It, it seemed like another like just chaotic game where the reason Manchester United end up, ended up winning is that uh, they just had a couple more better, more experienced players who made the right play in the, the right situation, whereas Arsenal had a couple of inexperienced players 
they just made the wrong decision, like Tavares being out of position for Dalit's ball and behind for Rashford for the, the second United goal. Or as simple as Odegaard just clattering into Fred for the for the penalty after Odegaard himself had just equalized for you guys like 10 minutes before. That kind of seemed like it was the deciding factor in the game, just experience and and confidence. Because you guys did what you do a lot of times in games. You started the first... 20 minutes. I was about to say, getting that early goal almost team. killed our momentum because we were right. playing so well. We got the ball and then we just stopped pressing. Arteta was absolutely raging at your team for like trying to get them to press back up after you guys had taken the lead. Uh, which I, I mean, I think we have to mention like how crazy that first goal was where like Fred steps on De Gea during a uh, free kick or a corner. I can't quite remember. Uh, De Gea goes down. He's on the floor. Emil Smith Rowe has the you know the the footballing IQ to realize the keeper's on the ground and just smashes one bottom left corner. Which great play by him. But there's a whole five minutes there where you know like Martin Atkinson didn't know what to do and basically had to just be told by VAR. And you guys eventually get the get the first goal. From that point on, though all of the air that kind of like went out of the performance for you. Like you guys just receded back into your shell and thought to yourselves, okay, we can, we can defend for the next 70 minutes against this Manchester United team. And uh, I mean, yeah, if, if you had only just maintained a little bit more pressure, maybe you could have, maybe it just would have ended one, one, but uh, instead the game just like opened up a, a whole bunch. Um, and frankly, I'm a little confused by, like I know Nuno Tavares has been playing very well. I really I wanted Tierney to play in this game. Yeah, I, it felt like a game for for Tierney. Uh, also, Sambi Lokonga was coming off one of his best games within the in the Newcastle game, I think. And all of a sudden, Mohamed El Neni is starting. He, I think I looked at his, uh, his his sort of like match log, and he's played like five or six minutes at the end of the last three games, but hasn't played a full ninety minutes. Honestly, I can't. I've I have no fault on El Neni. He he was one of our better players the the whole the whole game i mean he was yeah it just didn't seem very like imaginative like it, El well, you, decent but, but it wasn't his job to be imaginative it what what his role in the team was was to let gabriel or white venture forward and for him to be that shield for when they do that as well as quick transitions between the fullbacks and the center backs so he plays balls between the fullbacks and the center backs as well as which was what he did actually well was he turned on the ball he's not very good at this in the past but he's he's obviously improved under Arteta and why he started in this game he would turn and he would quickly ping a ball out to either Tomayasu or to Tavares and start our attack that way and he did it plenty of times and I was I, I was sufficiently satisfied with his performance not that like he needs to start, but it wasn't his fault that you know th- that. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not he, he was not a fault for anything at him. all. He was one of our better players and one of the more consistent performers on the day. I think that's why he didn't come off. You know, he stayed on the pitch because he wasn't he wasn't playing bad. Well, that kind of brings me to my my third point. I, I, I'm not I'm not confused about why he started, but I, I am kind of confused about why it took Mikel Arteta until the 79th minute to take out Aubameyang. You guys went behind in the the seventieth, and then nine minutes later, he takes off Aubameyang for Lacazette when it was very clear for most of the match that Aubameyang just isn't on the pace when it comes to this level of match anymore. Yeah, he just can't play he, in these big matches. He, and, he couldn't hold up yeah, the ball at all. Like I don't even blame him as much for that miss that was offside, which was still bad. But 
his overall play when you guys were trying to get out, he he, he nothing stuck to him. It just felt like a game for for Lacazette to play up top, maybe play Aubameyang out in the wing, and Martinelli on the other wing. And Martinelli, you know, got the assist for the second goal and like hugged that right wing really well and did his job well. But he just needed someone in in the in the center that when the ball uh, came out that could just hold the ball up and and manage to get it to uh, Martinelli as he made a streaking run in behind. But you guys just didn't have that. It's it's a strange one. It kind of reminds me of what we were talking about the other day with, uh, you know, Tuchel and playing Timo Werner against Manchester United when there was, you know, they were parking a bus and there was no space in behind. Like, why does it take these managers this long t- to think of this? And by the time they make the decision, it's kind of like a little bit too late. Like, I felt like I didn't really feel like you guys were getting an equalizer at the end of that one. I don't know how you felt, but to me, it just kind of felt like 3-2 was going to end up being the final score which is not a great look for Arteta because, I mean, this United team is... You can you can get at them for sure. I don't know how you feel about that one, but, like, do, do you finally want to see Aubameyang benched? Like, we didn't really yeah, get to talk course. about the I Newcastle mean, sitter he missed I last do. weekend. Of course I want to see him benched. He's... It's now five games without a goal, and, you know, this was a run of games that was not that difficult, and he would have been the first player to score in three consecutive trips to Old Trafford, so... Too bad he didn't do it, but yeah, I'd, I'd like I want to see Lacazette play this weekend. I, I'm pretty sure he will, you know, since Aubameyang has started the last two games. So, well, let's do a little mini preview. Just jump forward to Monday at 3 p.m. That will be Arsenal's next game in the league. They'll be traveling to Everton, a team that Great is time very much Everton. struggling right yeah. now. So I, f- I feel like you you could probably even keep playing Aubameyang, and maybe he scores in this, and his confidence is back up again. But Generally, I would agree with you. I, I think the way forward for you guys is definitely someone like someone like Lacazette. Maybe even give well, Martinelli say, himself Mar- a chance as the center forward. Martinelli, uh, I saw an interview, and he's been playing this whole season as center forward. So, you know, I think the idea is for him to to play in that position. If either Lacazette or, or Aubameyang go down, then he can play there. Um, and we have plenty of wingers as well. So I don't anticipate that Aubameyang's really going to be dropped that much this season, considering how much William played a couple of years ago. And what, I guess last year. Yeah, <laughs> last year, considering yeah, how much he played year. last year. Oh, God. I, I already have pushed the nightmare back and think it's a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah, no, uh, considering that, I'm pretty sure Aubameyang will stay in the team no matter what. It's just... Uh, it's, if if Lacazette can get goals in the limited time he has, then maybe he can push him out. That, that's that's what I can hope on. But yeah, I'm going to say uh, for this Everton game, 2-1 Arsenal. No, 2-0 Arsenal. I don't think oh, Everton's yeah, okay. Score. So back on your bullshit, back you, on you my still bullshit. think you're getting clean sheets? Clean sheets. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you. Uh, but I th- yeah, I think I'll say two nil. We're not gonna be. We're not gonna play the same way we did against United. Like, I feel like right, we were a bit course. like swashbuckling and naive. We'll 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 approach this with more care and build the momentum from the start and not like let it peter off like we did. All I ask is that you don't beat them so badly that they fire Benitez before we play them in like two weeks. But I feel like that's asking too much because I feel like there's no chance that Benitez is still there in in two weeks with how their schedule looks. Uh, but yeah, I'll I'll stick with a with a two nil, just like you. Uh, that that of course is going to be the last game of the weekend. Let's uh, rewind back to the game that will kick things off this weekend. 
West Ham hosting Chelsea Saturday at 7.30 a.m. Probably the marquee matchup of the weekend. You know, the, the yeah, only two uh, fo- top four teams that'll play each other. West Ham have cooled off a little bit in these last few games. Lost, lost, draw. You know, get, uh, Brighton got a 80th minute, I think, equalizer there with, with Mail Pie. And, oh, no, it was 90th. Oh, yeah, 90th <laughs> minute. I mean, West Brighton have done that a few times this season. And Did you see the goal? It was like an insane overhead kick by Mal- by Malpai. Just like one of those ones that was, he's looking like away from the goal and just sticks his leg, leg out there no, and I just didn't flicks see it, it well, back no, to I the back, go back post. And, and watch it. it was a beautiful goal. But um, I, I am both concerned and like, uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, let me just say I'm torn about this game because we did, we did the double over West Ham last year in the, the year they had like their best team. We beat them 3-0 at home and 1-0 away. I'm concerned because, especially after this Watford game, which I you know, kind of predicted would be uh, a, a difficult one despite them being a promoted team, it, it seems like with like the fixture pileup and a lot of the injuries, it's kind of starting to get to us uh, a little bit in that there's so many, so much turnover in the team that sometimes in, in games like that Watford game when we're missing certain players like Jorginho and Thiago Silva from the very beginning, that same uh, control of games that we have isn't there and our team suffers defensively as a result. Where I'm confident is that I don't think we're going to have the same sort of personnel for for the West Ham game that we, we did for Watford. For Watford, Chelsea started Saul, the... Uh, Atletico Madrid Loney in yeah, midfield Virginia's and once start, again so is Thiago Silva right he he had like a cascading like domino effect of shit like uh like that that, that, that both of his appearances of for Chelsea his 45 minutes he's played he's been dragged off at halftime and been atrocious yeah pretty much and in the Premier League against Aston Villa like his first appearance and then now against Watford we brought him in for those kinds of games when we needed to rest other players and we almost lost those games because of him. So luckily we were able to turn it around against Watford, but where, where I think that was like a huge issue in the Watford match for West Ham this weekend, I expect us to have uh Jorginho starting. I'm not sure whether Conte and Kovacic will be fit, but you know, maybe Mount can drop into midfield or uh, Loftus-Cheek can play again. Uh, I do expect Thiago Silva to be back and sort of steady and become a steady presence in that, that back three, which he came on at halftime against Watford and the, the impact was instantaneous. Uh, the one thing that concerns me is this sort of set piece battle. We, Chelsea are one of the better teams defending set pieces and, you know, scoring goals off them. But West Ham, I think when I watch them, that's the, that's the standout weapon for them. And Kurt Zuma is going for <laughs> to be for sure looking for a set piece goal in this game. Yeah, so they, they are just crazy threatening because of uh Cresswell's delivery. I mean they're they're up there with Liverpool and I think they're better than you guys. I think they're they're the same level as Liverpool set pieces. Them Chelsea and Liverpool, I think we all have we're all in the, the top three for most, you know, set piece goals this season. So uh, that that definitely that definitely concerns me, but I think we still should have enough for them. I think it's going to be a very difficult like 2-1 win for Chelsea. And that this kickoff time does not help us either, but I, I still expect a win. I, I just... I kind of like a 1-1 <sighs> I, draw because it's a 7-30 kickoff. West Ham are at home. Chelsea have been going win, draw, win, draw, win. You won the last game. Chelsea's going to draw this game. 1-1. We get it. You have OCD. <laughs> You like that, Alex? I get it.
I separate my food on my plate. No, no, I don't. I think we have something like seven away wins in a row, though. Like we're the only team to not like drop points away from home. Like we're we're doing pretty well in that regard this season. So yeah, I'm I'm going to stick with two one win Chelsea, and hopefully, hopefully, Lukaku is back starting from the beginning because. You could see the impact that he made when Chelsea brought him on for the last 20 minutes or so against Watford. No, he wasn't involved in the goal, but he is a presence and he he absolutely forces teams to consider where he is at every moment when when Chelsea are on the ball. Uh, There were about two defenders that like followed his run to the front post when Mason Mount cut that ball back perfectly for Ziyech. Ziyech had this perfect bubble of space he could run into and just blast that shot straight at Bachman and Bachman just you know couldn't react quickly enough so he has an effect even if he's not you know banging in goals necessarily so starting him from the beginning might not be the worst idea but I would I would kind of understand if he, he started Havertz again or maybe, or maybe Timo Werner. Mason back Alex? Another great Mason great is back Javier. Right. You, guys need, back. you guys need your Mason God back Alex. He's the best player on Chelsea. I don't know why he hasn't been playing in these last few games. Oh cuz he had that uh he had that He had complications from problem, wisdom right? teeth surgery. Yeah. yeah. Have you had that before? It's a bitch. Yeah, no be. you can get well, dry sockets and yeah, no there's it's it's not fun. All right, well, let's move on the other games this weekend. Newcastle will host Burnley Saturday at 10 a.m. Uh, Newcastle failed to get their first win of the season against fellow strugglers Norwich on Tuesday. They only drew 1-1, but they've got another shot at it uh, in this home game with Burnley, uh, who like Javier mentioned are probably playing a little bit better than them, but I mean, they should still be expecting to win these games. Uh, Southampton will host Brighton Saturday at 10 a.m. And then the third and final 10 a.m. slot on Saturday will be Wolves hosting Liverpool. Wolves have kind of quietly been, you know, sneaking around the top half of the table. I think they're in seventh, just behind Tottenham. They've been uh, they've been quietly good. They've a lot of clean sheets. I think it's yeah, 21 points, same as Manchester United, uh, eighth place. So Manchester United with that win moved ahead of Wolves. But the beginning of the day today, Tottenham were in sixth, and or sorry, Wolves were in sixth. And Tottenham and Manchester United with those wins moved ahead of them. Do you give Wolves any chance of a draw or something here against Liverpool? Or are they just another lamb to the slaughter? Not the way Liverpool are playing right now. I mean, it feels like Mohamed Salah is scoring a, at least a goal, if not two, every game. And he's getting an assist. So I don't know who's stopping Liverpool right now. They have This is their like easy run of the season. So they've got a few games now where they can keep piling on goals and building on momentum. They've already scored 43 goals in 14 games. That's ridiculous. It's like 3.5 goals a game. So Yeah, that is crazy. I, I think it's interesting to see uh, if, if Konate or Matip ends up being the, the center back. You know, Liverpool are getting healthy again. And yeah, right now it just seems like they're going to go on a, on a really good run of form. Manchester City and Chelsea—they're also setting the same pace. This is uh, this is going to be like a phonetic year. It seems like it's been forever since we've had three teams for the title. You know, like three really good teams. It's it's almost always been a two-horse race. So it'd be fun if if it went down to the tire, if it went down to the wire with all three teams, and then if there was like five or six teams fighting for fourth spot. I think that'd be uh, that'd be a fun fun Premier League season. Yeah, it seems like that gap is starting to take shape between those top three teams, Chelsea, Manchester City, and Liverpool, and the rest of the league. West Ham in fourth or seven points behind Liverpool in third. We'll see how that shapes up 
after the Christmas period. Uh, you know, it's very easily. I mean, I, I can speak on behalf of Chelsea for the last like three years. Chelsea's biggest problem has been uh, playing well up until right around this time of year, and then falling off with with poor performances and, and poor results against you know teams like this, teams like Wolves, sometimes Everton. So uh, Manchester Manchester City and then Liverpool, the year they won it, they were the teams that were able to sort of maintain their form to some degree during Christmas and the, and the fixture pile up there and pushed on and uh, into spring. So I'm not saying it's only Chelsea that may be susceptible to this because Liverpool do have, I think, a thinner squad than either Chelsea or Manchester City. But it's this time of it's this time of year that you'll start to see that start to take an effect on on teams. So yeah, uh, I'll I'll give respect to Wolves. I'll say two to Liverpool. Yeah, I'll say three one Liverpool. Uh, I think Liverpool have another another big romping in them, and then they can rest some players in the, in their final Champions League game this week because they've you know obviously already qualified from the group of death. So yeah, three one Liverpool, most solid player of the year, right for. Uh, Premier League so far, yeah. No, no one's catching him. Not even close. No, well, but no one's catching him. I, I'm not yeah, saying no so far, him. yes, but yeah, no, no. Even if Liverpool don't win the title, I feel like he's going to be a shoe in for for Player of the Season. Um, he's absolutely insane. Saturday will finish up with a away trip for Manchester City once again as they'll travel down to Watford. That's going to be Saturday at 12:30 p.m. And I know this doesn't sound good because Chelsea just struggled there. But I feel like Manchester City are just going to make mincemeat of this of this Watford team. Even with their injuries, I feel like they're perfectly built to just you know, bing bang boom, play one or three one to three passes through Watford's press, get bing in behind bong. and score. Yeah, bing bong. <laughs> uh, so how many do you think it's going to be? I mean, it's a shame Sergio Aguero isn't around to score another hat trick. He loved the game I, against I, Watford. I've, I remember seeing some ridiculous scorelines with City Watford, like you like five nils and stuff. Right. I, I'm sure they're like. Licking their lips at uh at, at the prospect of playing Watford again. I'll say four two Manchester City, but I think Watford gets some goals. I think that they uh they're just that's just the way that Watford play, and they're well, at home. And they're gonna attack the City. Emmanuel Dennis thing, as is playing decent, well. As I said it on the last part of scored playing, again. They're not gonna have Ismaila Sar for the, the remainder of this calendar year, so I think around New Year's time he's going to be back. And then uh, Nkulu, the center back they signed, he's going to be out for, I think, around the same time period. That's probably their best attacker and their best defender out. Yeah, then and, you maybe know, not. Again, they still maybe look not. decent I'll against Chelsea. but 4-1 City then. Yeah, 4-1 was what I was leaning towards. I think I'll, I'll stick to that. 4-1 Manchester City, even with their injuries. Uh, they, they, you know, Grealish Could is just coming back. Like De Bruyne's out. But- we have we have to talk about oh my god that Bernardo Silva volley against Aston Villa Javier Bernardo Silva's playing so well he's just he is he he's probably <sighs> most, a top three player in the league right now if he's probably next well I was going to say if Mo Salah didn't exist yeah, for some reason be Bernardo Silva right would be yeah. player of the player of the season right now, so far absolutely. but can you talk about that volley real quick I can if you want but that that volley against Aston Villa deserves discussing. Have you seen it? Yeah. No, I mean, just... It was a thing of beauty. It was like a FIFA goal. It was the kind of goal that, like, you you, you dink a ball in on the counterattack to one of your players on FIFA. I feel like that's kind of a typical game. Bernardo Silva goal. He, do, he does those, like, super tight, 
neat finishes that's just yeah but not but not counterattacks though he usually pops up at the back post yeah. or you know he's dribbles been playing more attacking this play- season though yeah but city city themselves this year i haven't seen a goal like that from them I didn't even I didn't even think Bernardo had that in him. I thought he'd take that down and try and like sort of like curl it around the keeper or kind of give him the eyes and send him one way and just dribble around him the other way. But instead, he just fucking leathered it first time from a great ball in from I think it was Gabriel Jesus. So that that's that's growth is what I'm trying to say. Bernardo Silva is getting better in a year after I'm pretty sure most people were saying he was going to be leaving Manchester city this summer. He was kind of like the, the odd guy out when Grealish came in. Most people thought, but he's made himself completely indispensable to them and completely changed the way uh, Pep Guardiola, Pep Guardiola plays. He's obviously shifted into a, like a box to box midfield position. So shout out to Bernardo Silva. He, the, the guy is just absolutely believable or unbelievable. Yeah, five goals, two assists so far this season. Yeah, he's playing. He's playing out of his mind. And I mean, there's. I just remember numerous times in games where he's made like crazy runs, beaten like four players, and then like put in a perfect ball where like Jesus or somebody just missed a, like a really easy chance that he created. So he, the stats don't tell you how much he's been doing on and off the ball as well. Yeah, and that's not even taking into account all of his defensive work and how pivotal he is to their pressing. We've been praising him and Rodri like throughout this season for being one of the best midfield duos in the in the in the Premier League, and that that, that I, we haven't even mentioned that as part of our praise for Bernardo Silva and his attacking output. So, yeah, four uh, one uh, for Manchester City over Watford. Javier, you agree? Uh, that will close out the Saturday games, and Sunday will open with uh, Leeds United versus Brentford, Sunday at 9 a.m. Anything to say about this one, or do you just want to move straight on to... No, but uh, I thought I thought Leeds would lose to Palace, and then they ended up beating Palace and getting a clean sheet. Um, yeah, I know that it was like a 93 minute penalty, but... I'm, I'm sick of every time... I know with Leeds, we, we flip-flop them. that Leeds are struggling... They come out and they win the next game. I don't like it, Javier. I right, don't talk just about not them for talk about a reason. Leeds for a couple of weeks, and maybe they'll go back to losing. Yes. Alex. No, no, Let's never again. We're not talking about Leeds Ever unless again? they're playing okay. like Chelsea okay. or Arsenal. Right. We're not talking about them <laughs> because then they'll just lose their games and you know just fade off into the abyss, and we'll never hear it from them again. It'll be great, but you know I'll leave it at that to uh, you know follow my own rule. Uh, also, during that 9 a.m. time slot on Sunday, will be Manchester United hosting Crystal Palace, a Crystal Palace team that's. Had a seven-game unbeaten run until they lost the uh, home game against Wolves a couple of weeks ago. They then followed that up with a loss to Leeds uh, this midweek. 1-0 right at the end, so, you know, nothing too terrible, kind of understandable. But what do you think the chances are that they bounce back and get any kind of results here at Old Trafford? I don't know. I kind of think United are have the, a little bit of a feel-good back. Beat Arsenal, drew Chelsea, beat Villarreal. Carrick leaves with unbeaten, his head high. You know, I think United can can carry this the momentum into this game. And while Palace are playing well, Connor Gallagher has been player of the season for them so far. And it must suck for them knowing that they're not going to get that player back because he's going to be a huge hole for them to replace next season. I mean, he's pretty much played every minute for them and been their player of the match in almost every single game. So... Look for him to to have a big game again here. You know, it seems like he's he's a player for these big games, and he's showed up against the big team so far. For for I mean, against City, against us, 
he didn't get to play against Chelsea, but I'm sure he would he would have showed up in that game too. Can't praise enough praise him enough, and I think he'll destroy that midfield of Fred McTominay and I don't know where Pogba is. I don't know if he's out well, I mean, for a while. We have to completely reevaluate what the, the the United lineup could possibly be, because I mean, once again, it's a new manager in. You know, that's true. I, I'm not sure whether Ranić was giving Carrick like list the list of the 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 team sheet. I, I doubt it. I'm sure Carrick was picking the team himself, but Ranić, this will be his first official game in charge in the dugout, being the hands-on manager. Uh, it's not a guarantee that the same sort of system and, and players are still in place for the Palace game. But if if there's no midfield like there has been for the past however many games for Manchester United, then I would agree with you. Conor Gallagher can probably do very well. Conor Gallagher will be starting for Chelsea right now if, if he was at Chelsea. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, there's been some comments from, from Tuchel about him, about praising him, how well he's he's been doing and saying he, he did want to like keep him and, and play him, but he's... But they all thought it was more important for both Gallagher and Billy Gilmore to get out and just get the experience and, you know, prove it themselves or to themselves and to everyone uh, first. Hey, you hear that, Farka? Before coming That's back. That's why Dean Smith has a job, because he knows to play Billy Gilmore. Yeah. Yes, yes, he does. The, the thing that I think has kind of led to Crystal Palace suffering a little bit defensively is uh, your boy, Javier, Joachim Anderson. He's been out injured for the last two games and... They haven't been the same sort of pressing stalwarts that they were before. Uh, and I know the press is you know mainly keyed by the, the forward players, but there is an element of speed and recovery ability that you need from your center backs uh, in, in reaction to pressing so high up that a player like James Tompkins just isn't going to bring. You know, he doesn't doesn't have any pace. He's not very good in the first place, and he's probably best like accustomed to sitting deep and playing in a low block like Roy Hodgson would like. So if that continues into this Manchester United game, I expect United to just counterattack and, and, and pick them off on the, yeah, the counter a couple starting, times. I'm going to say 3-1 United. Yeah, damn it, you got in there before me. Uh, I'll, I'll say I'll say 4-2 Manchester United. The lack of midfield will make it an open game. A uh, couple goals for Ronaldo. Maybe uh, Rashford or, or Sancho or Bruno pop up. Uh, Rashford and Sancho are looking a whole lot more confident since Solskjaer has left, which I think will have a snowball effect. It will just slowly grow in confidence. And maybe with Ranić in his first game, they actually win the ball high up a little bit more and get better chances that way. So, yeah, I'll say 4-2. You've got 3-1, you said? Okay, that brings us to Tottenham hosting Norwich. Tottenham are fresh off a 2-0 home win against Brentford. This is very much the cupcake portion of their schedule. I'm sure they had that in mind when they brought Conte in. I honestly thought that was very good timing because there is a lot for this Tottenham team to sort of catch up on when it comes to adapting to Antonio Conte's system. I don't have any doubt, really, that they'll they'll win this game, especially after the, the wins against Brentford and Leeds, both at home as well. It's just a matter of, of how many. Do you think it's going to be another sort of iffy... I don't know, man. Norwich two, one or two in, nil. Uh, since Dean Smith came in. I think they might give him a so game. So there's a chance? There's a chance, Alex. They might give him a game. I'm not saying it's going to definitely happen, but they've looked so much better with Billy Gilmore on the side. They've had, you know, Norgard. That, that, Norgard, what's that midfielder? Hoiberg? No. Or, uh, a Norwich. No, no. Sorry. Norman. For Norwich. Norman. 
Norman. Oh, Mateus Norman. Yeah. yeah, he's he finally has like a good partner in midfield, and they just look. I, I think he's been he's been injured for the last game or so. He didn't play against Newcastle. Oh, got it. Well, if but he's back, they have, back they for have this Pierre Lismalou from Nice. He's a pretty good midfielder. Kenny McLean, the Scottish midfielder. But yeah, no. I mean, I'm not saying these are world beaters, if, but if, if he's they work back, hard. If he's back for this game, then I could see them maybe getting something against Tottenham. But Tottenham did look really good in that game against Brentford. They got a lot of attacks down the that left wing through Regulon, and um, Emerson Royale got a bunch of opportunities as well that he wasted. But Harry Kane too, and and Son looks to be almost back to his best. I don't know this. Uh, this Tottenham team could get scary if they really get in, into Antonio Conte's way of playing. So I, I think Tottenham still have enough. I'm going to say 2-1 Tottenham. But I think they concede. I'm going to say 1-1. You've talked me into it, Javier. Also, Pookie's back. Pookie is back. Party. Three the goals finish, in a row. The finish against three Newcastle. That's a, that's a confident Timu Pookie. And I think confidence is half the battle with him. Confidence and service. I think I'll have decent enough service uh, this, for this game. This Norwich team is definitely better than that Norwich team that came up two years ago. And th- even that team got wins against like Manchester City and you know uh, other decent results here and there. They weren't very good for the rest of the season, but I remember they got that. And I think that they're, they've already built built up a better repertoire this season to, to, to keep going. So I could see it, Alex. I could see it. A dark horse for uh, game of the weekend, I think, is going to be the last game we'll talk about. This Aston Villa versus Leicester City game that will finish out the games on Sunday at 11.30 a.m. Villa obviously are coming off their first loss under Steven Gerrard, the home loss to Manchester City, but they made a good account of themselves. Went 2-0 down and then scored a goal to make it 2-1 like first couple of minutes into the, the second half. And frankly, they, they, they could have equalized a couple of times. City obviously could have made it 3-1 themselves, but uh, I don't think there's, there was any shame in, in what they did in that Manchester City performance, and they'll have another home game against this time an underperforming uh, like former top half side in yeah, Leicester City. I, I, I think Villa are going to win this. I'm going to say just off the bat, 2-1 Villa. I think Leicester are not performing well. I know that they had that one good win a few weeks ago. No, two week, a week ago? Just last weekend, right? And then they just fell back again during the midweek. So, Jackal and Hyde yeah, they, for they, Leicester right now, you know. Um, but they beat that, Watford last weekend. Before that, they lost 3-0 to Chelsea, drawn 1-1 with uh, Leeds, and lost to Arsenal. So, really bad form for Leicester right now. It's It's been going back a few months now where they haven't had good good results. So, I think Villa, Villa are surging and, and Leicester are kind of reeling. So, I'm going to say... Uh, I'm going to say, I'm, and I don't think Villa are going to lose confidence at all from that performance against City. I think they're going to have been looking at this Leicester game thinking this is the one that they could win. And they're at home in front of their fans. Yeah, Villa, 2-1. Well, here's the thing. I don't think we can ignore how James Madison has returned to form. It's the first time he's uh, scored goals in back-to-back games since February of this year. And that kind of coincides with a very long period of time that he has just not been on it. There's no better way really to say it. And when James Madison isn't like a constant threat in this Leicester team, they don't have too many other consistent goal threats and too many consistently creative players. And Jamie Vardy's only only getting older. He's still, still good. He's got a couple of goals this season and doing well. But 
I would argue that James Madison is the player that really makes Lester tick. And now that he's, you know, back playing well again, I, I do give them a chance. I actually think this game's going to end 2-2. Leicester yeah, City I are, said you know, that they're, too. It's a, a good guess. They're, but yeah, they're Madison, teetering right on the edge Madison of their season, back. like being meaningless. So they need to, you know, stay in there, scrap a couple of draws together, whether they're home or away. And this Villa game, I, I think, I think they have enough to get a couple goals at Villa. So I'll, I'll say two-two, another two-two for them after they drew Southampton two-two and uh, away this midweek. I know Southampton aren't as good of a team, but. Leicester have conceded 25 goals. Just to put that into perspective, uh, the only teams that have conceded more than that are Watford, Norwich, and Newcastle. And Watford have conceded 26 goals, so one more goal. So Leicester are trash. Yes, rough for for them defensively and on set pieces. (laughs) They're not not too great right now. But I, I believe in them, Javier. I believe in them. I think Madison's that important. All right, let's wrap things up there. Really looking forward to this weekend of games. Javier, thanks for jumping on with me uh, late tonight, late Thursday night, and reliving that uh, mess of a result for Arsenal. You can follow us on social media, at JavierRev9 for Javier's Twitter account, at ASMOS92 for my Instagram and Twitter, and at GhostGoldPod for the podcast socials. If you're listening on an app that allows you to rate and review the pod, we'd really appreciate it if you went ahead and did so right now. New ratings and reviews help new listeners find the pod, and... We'd really appreciate it if you helped us grow this thing. So enjoy the games this weekend, and until next time, see you.